Human Path, where each week we discuss down-to-earth tips and advice while doing our best to help you seasonally manage your garden and landscape. I'm Joanne Shaw, owner of Down to Earth Landscape Design, and with me is my co-host and co-author, Matthew Dressing. Hi, Matt. Hey, Joanne, and hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. I'm Matthew Dressing, owner of Natural Affinity Garden Design. As landscape designers and gardeners, we believe it's important and possible to have great gardens, which are sustainable and low maintenance, and we want to help you make it happen. That's right. And especially these days, right? Can you believe it's October? Where? No, no. What? Where are the other months? I don't (laughs) know. I don't know. Oh, my gosh. And super, super dry. I've heard that this uh, September has been, I know it's not over, quite over yet at at the time of recording this. Um, We've got a couple days left. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think that they said the last time um, it was this dry was like 1930 or something. Um, so yeah, so it's dry. So I hope everybody is uh, watering their garden. I've moved my sprinkler as we speak uh, during this show. Um, so yeah, as we, I think we have lots to talk about. Um, I want to share a little bit uh, about my about an upcoming episode because um, I just got back from the Garden Fling. I was telling you a little bit about it um, off off uh, off the show. and uh, but we more important for our listeners, we want to talk about October in the garden and what to do and what to not to do, right, Matt? That's right. Yeah, that'll be exciting. A little clip about our, or your, our, (laughs) the upcoming episode for sure. Lots of interesting and fun stuff there. And yeah, I I just actually recently saw an article. I didn't get a chance to read it, but I guess there's something, a system just south of us holding all the September rains away. So yes. So yeah, I think that's one of our things that what are our most important things that we always say on the show and we say it in our book as well remember is keep watering especially Mm. at this time of year again we're just at the beginning we're releasing it before october so that uh, you have some timely advice but as october cools off and especially being in a drought now those plants are still needing that water so make sure you're watering uh, all especially new plantings or new especially new evergreen plantings down to the bottom of that hole you dug and just deeply and thoroughly to keep them thriving for Mm -hmm. sure so Mm -hmm. we have lots of tips to talk about that's right and I can attest to the um, because the fling was in Philadelphia and uh, the two days of the fling two of the four days of the fling it would definitely raining <laughs> so oh. uh, we, we not that as gardeners we didn't really complain at all uh, well maybe a little bit but the wet feet <laughs> is hard right but um, uh, it, it was very wet and yes the system like there was no wind it was obvious that there was a system and it was just stuck So, uh, so yeah, so definitely, uh, and I kind of thought it would come up here, but uh, no, it, it, it's like you said, it's, it's kind of stuck in the, in the south of us. So, um, so yeah, so Ontario is still dry and uh, um, I don't think there is any rain in the foreseeable future. Uh, So we don't know where you are, but uh, if if it is dry, then yes, please keep watering. And we're going to check with you more about what to do in your October garden. Um, A lot of this information is from our book. Um, So shout out to our Down the Garden Path, a step-by-step guide to your Ontario garden uh, that we uh, is available on Amazon. And uh, yeah, and you know, all common sense tips that uh, that we like to share with you. Uh, Did you want to start with, well, the 
best place to start, I think, when you think of fall is bulbs, right? Um, so our seeds and bulbs section or, or, or you know, discussion. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And we've had a lot of past listeners uh, write in to, to us by email or when we were uh, on live on the show, just, you know, can we plant bulbs now? And uh, you know what, now is the time to be buying them and, and almost time to really plant them uh, mm -hmm. as well. You can plant them now if you buy them and it's warm and you're in the mood for sure. But, you know, we often have, you know, squirrels and chipmunks who are looking and seeing that we're also digging and they're wondering what we're burying. So they might go and dig some up. So mm -hmm. there are some bulbs like alliums and daffodils that don't want to or are really unappetizing to them. But uh, now is the time or October is the time to start planting. I like to wait until we get a few cooler nights, mm -hmm. uh, mid to late October. That way we have our little critters who are investigating when they get really cool, they start to think more hibernating than food storage. And they've done a lot of food storage already. But yeah, so we're going to wait until mid to late October, or again, anytime you really want to, uh, but a little later in the season to plant those bulbs to avoid them being snatched up by curious and hungry critters as well. If you haven't bought your bulbs yet, definitely head out to your garden centers. Lots of selection I've seen still around mm -hmm. um, in lots of different colors, but now is the time to start going out and planting those bulbs. Remember the bulbs we plant now are going to be the spring's show. That's uh, right. So think about your garden when you might need a little bit of color. Maybe you've got a very filled in well-planted garden and you just need a couple hits, you know, when, or, or maybe you have a brand new garden and you're looking for something to fill in with mm -hmm. some, some spring color, or early spring or late winter color. Uh, take a look at all the packages. It'll tell you, you know, early spring, late spring, mid spring, early summer, when that hit of color is going to pop up at the right time. Uh, so definitely take a look at that. But there's lots of, of great selections and very interesting bulbs out there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm all for one of, you know, do their shopping now and and wait and hold off till after Halloween for the planting. I mm -hmm. just I just think, like you said, the cooler temperatures after we've had some more rain and um, and just so that the especially if you're planting tulips so that you're not battling with the squirrels. Um, I know. Uh, the popular ones, the popular bulbs or the more unique bulbs are the ones that go first. So if you yeah. want something different uh, for your garden, then definitely start looking now, whether it's your garden centers, whether it's uh, mail order. I know I want to shout out to Dahlia May um, Flower Farm in, in Trenton. She actually went to uh, Holland last year, Matt. And she got to tour the gardens and the, from the growers and she ordered uh, really unique bulbs and um, they're just arriving at her farm and she does. So if you check out her website, uh, Dahlia May Farm, Flower Farm, I believe, um, and that will verify, uh, you can, she's selling, she's selling uh, bulbs and she's selling some really unique varieties. So, um, so yeah, so if you're looking for something different, whether it's for you, you know, some people I think you, or maybe people don't realize you can actually do it as a cutting garden. You know, let's say your vegetable garden, if you've cleaned out your vegetable garden, you can go ahead and fill that with bulbs now. Um, and then in the spring, you have tulips that you can cut and bring into your house. Uh, so that's, and I may even do that this year. I don't know. <laughs> uh, 
um, and for my backyard, right? I can, I can kind of fill that with bulbs. So, so yeah, so there's lots of things you can do, but definitely uh, I know if I, cause I do always leave it late and then my alliums, my big tall ones that I really like um, are gone. So, uh, so yeah. Yeah. That's a great tip. You know, those veggie gardens or uh, those spots where you're going to plant something later in the season after the fall frost may as well use them for something. They can provide yeah. that extra season of interest and, and loads of color. Yeah. That's very cool that, um, that she went to um, Holland, Holland yeah. and checked out all those bulbs and yes, Dahlia may flower uh, a beautiful website. Um, my sister lives out that way. Uh, so Have you she visited goes, yet? I haven't visited yet, but she, she's been out so many times. Like I see all the beautiful. Oh yes. Yeah. Cause they did a lot of um, cut your own flowers this year, which was really cool. So, yes. So, yes. And that's what she was able to go and do. And I think she always has just those pre-made ones ready. And, yeah. Yeah. yeah so, oh, that's yeah, so great. If yeah. you want to visit them, check our show notes in the link. We'll have a link to them in the show notes for mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. And speaking of bulbs, we can't forget about garlic. Right. And I know that's kind of like, ball. is that bulb or is that a vegetable? But uh, it is almost time. I think it's still the same thing. I think I would wait um, till mid to, to late October, depending on where you are, though. I think everybody knows their weather and when they want to plant. But garlic is unusual if you're not familiar in the sense that you do plant it in the fall and you harvest it in the, in the summer and about July. I know I have tried unsuccessfully to plant it in my garden around my other plants and has not done well. And I just figured I was doing something wrong or not planting them deep enough or using the right wrong type of garlic bulbs. But I did learn this year that I, they really don't like competition. So yeah. there's many other things that you can plant, other vegetables that you can plant in your perennial and shrub gardens. But unfortunately, um, uh, garlic is not one of them that they really like to be on their own and so so that's good it was a learning experience and I and I tried um, so for our listeners it now you have an area or if you've just cleaned out your tomatoes and your peppers and your cucumbers or whatever um, then if you wanted to plant garlic now is the time just know that they're not going to be you're not going to harvest them until July so then you can't I think sometimes people plant them in the fall in their veggie veggie space but realize then uh oh what, where do I put my tomatoes and peppers right yes exactly and you know that's a good that's a good idea is you know planting it somewhere else like where your tomatoes were your peppers were or even rotating if you have just some colorful annuals you put move around your garden every time just for uh, crop rotation right we don't want to have any insect pests build up from the repeated constant you know planting of the same thing in the same place so you avoid disease issues but you also uh, help with the nutritional balance as well right so if you plant a tomato and it's constantly in the same spot and you're not amending the soil for what the tomato is taking out you know your garlic's going to eat differently than your mm. tomato or your cauliflower right. or whatever. So yeah, great tip. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And for those of you who don't, don't like planting bulbs, I was never a big fan of digging like little holes and stuff. Um, one, one tip is one, you're going to dig a big hole, a big flat hole and put in a bunch of, of, you know, to really make an impact in your garden. Think of that, that you really want big groupings of bulbs in a hole, as opposed to plant one hole, one bulb, one hole, one bulb, and, and having these little soldiers in your garden. So that's one tip. And my other tip, um, and there's a picture of it in our book, is that I got an auger attachment to my to a drill. 
So I can just use, you know, so even though I'm not digging one big hole, I can dig a lot of little holes in one area and then plant and plant that way. So that's something to remember. And I do love alliums. I just think there are so many different sizes and varieties, um, and especially the late blooming ones that um, are coming up once the other leaves uh, on your other shrubs and perennials are starting to, to show. Uh, I don't know. I just... Um, I, I guess I'm, I, I like tulips in my, my kitchen in, in a vase, but uh, <laughs> I don't have the energy to fight the squirrels outside. And I think the, uh, the alliums put on such a great show. That's right. Um, the other thing, yeah, I love that because the, the auger, I also bought an auger last fall um, because I had a, a new client who had a large space and they wanted fall bulbs. So I had a, a, a new drill, a new electric drill um, or cordless drill and uh, a new auger. And it's just worked so beautifully mm -hmm. uh, to get in there. Yes. So my, I found it was a little hard. There was one other spot I had to go back to and it was a little cool and it, would st it was starting to, the ground was starting to freeze, but wasn't quite frozen. But it was Ooh. cool enough that it kind of resisted just a little bit. Um, but I'm talking like the first week in November and last year kind of thing. So, mm. but yeah, no, they work beautifully as a, as a thing. Yeah. So that's yeah. great. Watch out for um, cut daffodils in the spring uh, as well. The stems release, and I think I'm going to say it right, um, uh, but narcissine. And I may, I may have to look or confirm that one, um, but they emit an enzyme that kills the other flowers in, in, in your vase. So oh. it uh, goes in and it blocks their veins and then it causes them to flop. So just uh, solo daffodils, daffodils go cut solo. <laughs> oh, that's good to know. Okay. Yeah. So bulbs, lots of time to go with bulbs. Again, get out there, look for as soon as you can, uh, if you haven't already, as the, the most popular or the fancy new ones go first. Uh, but you've got lots of time to get in some fall bulbs and some garlic in before next season, mm -hmm. for sure. You also mentioned vegetables yeah. and perennials and annuals. So moving into some annuals and perennials, uh, it is going to be time to start to remove some of those dead annuals as October uh, marches forward, taking out anything that is cold damaged or very tender, you know, our impatience, our coleus, uh, the very soft, fleshy materials, begonias, things like that. Removing them, we don't want to leave them over winter. Those root balls just kind of take up space and they just get messy and mushy. So a good quick grab. If you want to bring any of them inside, begonias, uh, especially different coleuses, lots of different annuals will work as well as a houseplant. Uh, so just watching in October as you're thinking about removing annuals as cold approaches, we do want to bring those inside before uh, they get too cold. So removing all of our annuals in a timely manner. And then perennials. Well, I guess if we're continuing with annuals, part of the other annuals we might have our tropical plants, right? Mm -hmm. We might have our, like our dracaenas or, uh, you know, fig trees or other fig trees yeah. that we mm -hmm. put outside uh, that we might want to start bringing in as well. I know here in Ontario, uh, we've had a few really cool nights where we were talking, I think, last episode uh, in What's Wrong With My Garden, that uh, we've had some really cool nights and we've seen some cold damage occur on some of our our 
half hearty or not as tender annuals already, but it's starting to be the time to bring them in so they can acclimatize and continue to move through into the early winter uh, unfazed and Mm-hmm. less shock with moving from somewhere that was really warm and then got really cold into somewhere that's kind of warm and dry again. So it's time to start to grab our tropicals and other annuals to bring them inside to prepare for the winter as well. Mm-hmm. And some can be like, I know I bring my fig trees into the garage. I don't bring them into the house. So oh, okay. that's yeah, something, yeah. yeah. So I, I do that. And my, um, I've been able to, oh my goodness, the name's going to go right out of my head. Oh, whirling butterflies, Gora. So I've been able to, now this year they, they got eaten a bit by, um, aphids. So they weren't, I didn't have a super successful year, but I have two pots of Gora. So it's, it's, um, borderline hardy annual perennial, depending on, um, called whirling butterflies. And I, uh, I think when I first started them in the pot, they were an annual and climate change in the last two years. They're now perennials. Woohoo. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I brought them into my garage and let them go dormant and just leave them be. And they have regrown. And uh, yeah, so if you want to experiment with other plants and do something like that, whether it's a cold cellar or an unheated shed or something like that, um, you know, it's always worth a try. Plants are expensive, as we all know, and the cost of things, um, if there's no harm in trying, right? That's right. And even if you don't have like a cold cellar or like a sunroom or something like that, if you do need to just put it in the garage, we want to make sure we put it at the front of the garage because the back of the garage gets the coldest. And that's where we have a deep freeze or just a little few extra degrees it drops that might damage that material. Mm. Keeping it at the front keeps the air circulation going. We get a little bit of added warmth from the, the winter sun that's warming around the door and as the air fluctuates and changes. But that's also a great spot. I, I think of often a lot of people like their um, purple fountain grass up here in the north, right? Mm-hmm. The Centris cetacean rubrum that uh, doesn't overwinter for us, but just leaving it in the pot, let, keeping it just barely moist. You want to let it bone dry, uh, but making sure they don't completely dry out or stay soggy um, and just leaving them in the front of the garage. And they, they'll make it through. They'll make it through easily. Go and that's dormant. good to know because that's where I kept my Gora. My Gora was actually, the figs were kind of a bit more at the back of the garden, a uh, back of the garage, but the the uh, Gora was at the front. And um, yeah, so I think that that is interesting, um, you know, way to way to do it, to to really experiment with what, what you can do. And also a sweet potato vine. So I know that's also mm. very popular, like the purple fountain grass. You can actually dig up those tubers after the frost. They stay, they stay long, nice outside quite long until we get a hard frost. And then mm-hmm. when you go to pull them out, you'll see that there are these sweet, sweet potato-like tubers. You can bring those. Those should go in the house though, right, Matt? But kept cool. I would, yeah, I would keep those more in like a cool bottom of a closet or like a cold cellar or something like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. They're great. They're not as tasty as the normal sweet potatoes, but uh, they're still yeah. edible if you want to try. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but it's better. I think it's better to save them for tubers. And then I think it's in February that you start them. And we will probably talk about that in the February in the garden uh, episode. And uh, so, yeah, so you can, you know, start your own, um, slips 
I believe they're yep. called, of sweet potato vine. And uh, you may never have to buy it again. So that's good. And you or and you can have enough that you may be able to gift to friends. So um, so yeah, so that's something. So it is there's there's a lot of neat things that you can try to save and bring from one year to another. I think geraniums perennial or annual geraniums, um, pelargoniums. Yeah, uh, are probably the most popular. I think there's, you know, a lot of people that, uh, you know, their grandmothers brought them in and their mother or their mothers brought them in. Uh, that's they're famous for that. But there are other things, too, that you can uh, you can give it a you can give a shot. Definitely. Indeed. Well, if we're not bringing it in, we're leaving it outside. That's and right. so we have our herbaceous annuals and tropicals, but we also have our perennials uh, that we would like to keep for next year and give them their best chance. We, Joanne and I, are very much um, champions of just leaving it be. Just mm -hmm. let perennials do their thing. They're actually act as homes and overwintering sites for eggs and other insects that are going to come out in the spring, complete their life cycle and help you uh, keep biodiversity and an active, healthy garden over the next summer. So yes, the grass is kind of dry, funky, and you might have some flower heads, but just keep in mind they're feeding birds. They're acting as uh, homes. They're overwintering sites. You know, you've got native bees that might be burrowing into the ground so leaving some leaf litter leaving some perennials up is not necessarily a bad thing it's actually mm -hmm. a very good thing right mother mm -hmm. nature's evolved that she doesn't run around every fall and hack everything down to eight inches that's not the way it happens and bag it up <laughs> and bag it up exactly and put it on the corner <laughs> yeah so we don't have to rush out there to do that mm-hmm Certainly, if you've got, like we mentioned in our last episode, you know, mildew on your peonies, I've got to get out there and do, deal with mine. I have been procrastinating. Um, you know, or if you want to do some dividing, so now is also a good time to do some dividing. I kind of like that doing that more in the fall because you remember what it is. You know, in the spring, you're like, hmm, is this purple coneflower, is this rutabecchia, is this this color iris or that color iris, right? So I think your memory is still a little bit, uh, um, you know, remember. And so now is a good time to divide anything that's looking like it needs to get divided. Hostas, ornamental, although ornamental grasses are tricky because they do look so nice being up in the winter. But mm. if they are getting really big, um, both the hostas and ornamental grasses get that kind of empty space in the center. That's when you know they're really desperate to be split. Yeah. Um, so hostas is a good time to do now. If you want to wait and enjoy the plumes and let the birds eat the seeds of the ornamental grasses and then divide those in the spring, that's fine because you know what it is, right? It's a little bit more obvious versus the perennials that die right down to the ground. So um, peonies also, if, if that's something, if you're going to move a peony, um, I'm going to relocate this one. That's why I haven't cut it back yet is because it's like a reminder that I need to move it because it's getting, it's not, it didn't bloom this year at all because it's oh. not getting enough sun. My, my plane yeah. trees have just gotten too big. So I need to move it. Um, so yeah, so if that's the case for you, peonies, you know, prefer to be moved this time of year. And the other tidbit is to not plant too deep to keep, you want to see the tuber, right? You want to see the crown of the tubers uh, above the soil. So, um, so that's a peony planting, transplanting trip tip. Mm. 
<laughs> pardon me. And as you say that, yeah, irises especially like to sunbathe on the top. The other thing peonies like to do is when you do transplant them while you're putting them in there, they like loose deep soil underneath them. So, you know, plant them just as deep as they were before and a little higher if you need to expose uh, the crown a little bit. But loosening that soil underneath those tubers, uh, they get nice and deep and they like some nice loose soil oh, underneath okay. them. Normally, like we say too, right, is, you know, just as deep as the pot, the plant is in the pot, twice as wide. Mm -hmm. um, don't dig too much deep underneath them because you don't want it to settle in when you first water it. Um, but yeah, peonies love some uh, foot space underneath them oh, to grow good into to know. as well. Like, do you think like use a fork, like a, one of the pitch, I don't think it's called a pitchfork, but like a fork? Yeah, if you had like a garden fork and you yes. were to just kind of loosen that soil underneath, you could do that without even having to dig it up, really. Dig okay. just as deep as you need to and then break it up with a fork just in the bottom, for sure. Yeah, yeah that would okay. be a nice tip without having to excavate two feet or yeah, an extra yeah. foot, especially if you have a small garden or tough soil yes. uh, underneath further down like mm -hmm. we do. <laughs> Mm. for sure um, and then yeah I just love to echo the tip as well like you had said watch for diseased issues right like your powdery mildew um, if you do need to remove anything or cut anything back down like your peonies we're throwing all of that into the garbage not our waste bags mm -hmm. um, to go back into the recycling or into your compost pile we don't want to give those spores or those diseases a spot to overwinter and then come back to your garden as well hmm. so yeah excellent excellent okay what else um, i was going to say that in the, at the beginning of the month if you're listening to this show at the beginning of october sorry to interrupt you no. um <laughs> take a few pictures i know we joke yes. about it all the time but this is a good time to see where you know and i know my own garden is not looking like it normally does in the fall it is looking sad because of how dry it is and i was away and it didn't rain and i haven't been watering um and i've been watering the last couple of days but it, you know it's going to take a bit longer for it to recover so i definitely Definitely have taken some, you know, pictures, and I know I, I have too many clumps of of uh, purple cone flower. I need to, you know, thin them out and, and donate some and give some to friends. And mm -hmm. I, but then I have more space. Also, be, coming from being on a four day garden tour, I'm like, oh, I need to completely re redesign my whole garden, you know. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I think it's a good idea because in the fall, like especially or after you plant your bulbs, take pictures. That's where the bulbs are going to come up in a couple of weeks. So don't plant anything in the spring, you know, or, or make sure it's watered. So we joke about our, our, our request for you guys to keep taking pictures, but we hope and we know, especially now that your camera's on your phone, um, it will help you. Right. Yes. Well, and as you say that, I have to go back into my photos for clients because mm -hmm. uh, the one I mentioned earlier in the show, we have lots of bulbs, but we'd like to put some more bulbs in the back, but also in the front area where there's some space. But it's they've been dormant for four months, five yeah. months now. Right. So where are they? So I'm going back and I have to go into that journal for that client yeah. and go. Oh, okay. So I can't do that, but I can do there and I can do yes, that. Yes. Yeah, that no, so yeah, it, it's super helpful. It's super helpful. And I tell my students, it's one of their projects. 
in the fall class. It's year one. They, uh, I get them to garden uh, or journal a garden so that they can see, you know, the evolution from one season, the summer season into the fall and the winter. And they always say at the end, you know, it's a big project, but at the end, they're like, wow, that was really valuable. I see how that moves and grows now. And I mm-hmm. see how there's that space and, oh, I would definitely do this differently. So it just kind of gives them a way and it gives you a way too, to the way to look at and think about your garden. Remember, it's a very four dimensional dynamic living thing. So yes, mm-hmm. journal, journal, journal. <laughs> is my Photograph, photograph, photograph. Right. Yes, exactly. Um, so, and one of our uh, Down the Garden Path episodes is never complete without the discussion about lawns. Lawns, October lawns. October yeah. lawns. We're definitely in, at the point in the lawn uh, here. It's still very cool. October for most of North America, from what I'm seeing, especially up in our area, is going to be warmer than normal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's year after year. We've talked about it on the show is more normal than more normal yeah, every yeah. year. So remember, grasses love. We grow, especially here in the north, those cooler season grasses. So if you're in a more northern climate, uh, we're going to continue to top dress water and we can continue to seed our lawn as well because they love that 16 to 22 if we're getting regular if you're you know northern manitoba or winnipeg or somewhere where we're getting nights that are less than 10 degrees we're hitting six and seven regularly you're probably just out of range or your range of your timing sorry for starting the seed is probably just gone but right now if you're in southern ontario or you're one of our lovely american listeners a little further south you can still be doing grass Mm -hmm. seeding so grass seeding staying it off for 28 days and keeping it evenly moist it's a perfect time another popular lawn question is uh fertilizer can we Mm -hmm. be feeding long as they're actively growing you can be feeding it at the end of october beginning of november so this is going to be a later october thing but this is where we're going to put down our uh, winter fertilizer okay so it's going to start to break down and feed those roots but uh, as it comes through and starts to become active again in the cooler seasons of spring what we're going to see is it's going to be too squishy and we talk about this in you know march april may in the garden it might still be too squishy and you don't want to compact the soil and damage that root zone so remember this is the feeding that you're going to do now that's going to be feeding in the spring when you can't be on your lawn mm. um, it's going to already be there and available for our our grass and give it the best shot. The other thing we can do and put down to is mid to end of uh, October, depending on your thing is the corn gluten. Um, if you're, especially if you're here in Canada, because we, we don't have those uh, broadleaf pesticides or herbicides mm-hmm. that our American friends down to the South do. Uh, so putting on your corn gluten, it does, it is actively cumulative at that point in the year so October into November and then again the only time we ever would say you'd go on your lawn uh, is to put down one more layer of early spring corn gluten but once you put corn gluten down you're not seeding anymore more anyways right so anyways <laughs> still can feed still can grow. I can do corn gluten now you can do corn gluten now for sure. Yeah, if you're at the beginning of October listening to this again and you want to do corn gluten now, that's perfect. But remember, corn gluten lasts for up to six weeks and stops all seeds from growing. So it's grass mm-hmm. seed, it's weed seeds, it's perennial seeds, everything. Okay. So you can do it, but you've just you've canceled yeah. another thing you could do. That's yeah. It. 
and the the best way that it performs too that we we've read that um, is multiple applications. So it, corn mm. gluten isn't a one and done. It is a natural product, so it does take a few seasons to get it to really work on your on your lawn. Um, so you know if you're going to apply it, go through the trouble of applying it this fall, then be prepared to apply it in the spring as well, at least. Um, yeah. So spring. Um, you know, kind of fall, spring, fall type of thing to really see it work. Um, I, I'm shocked at, I resotted my, you know, I don't, you've been to my place now, Matt, and I don't have a huge lawn and we resotted, oh, 2022, 2021, I would say. So this is our second year with this new lawn. And I have to say, it's just so still struggling. And I know, um, you know, it was an unusual summer because it was wet at the very beginning. So none of the lawns really went dormant. Um, I know the lawn crew, the sod crews were not working very hard because nobody wanted to replace their lawns. Um, but now in September, the lawn is dormant and not growing. Um, yeah. So yeah, so I, <laughs> I, I've tried to do some overseeding, but I'm really thinking about trying um, Eco Lawn. I know I've recommended it to a lot of clients. And I'm thinking I'm going to buy a bag of that and reseed uh, this fall and reseed in the spring and really just see if I can, you know, again, I'm, I favor garden over lawn, but the, the lawn is there and, and it is the front of your house. And even though it's a small area of my house, I still want it to look decent without a lot of care, you know. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so stay tuned uh, for that and we'll see and I'll take some photos and we'll see how uh, how that goes for me. Yeah. And you know what? I'm really excited to see how it goes for you because I've recommended it to one of my clients and they had mm -hmm. a shady front um, and it's a fescue mix yes. and they had it underneath a maple tree. So it was, it's a struggling, tough little area already. Um, but we've had some really good success with it, oh, even good. the shade and the maple. Yes. I mean, it's the maple so shallow rooted, right? She's going to yeah. always fight, but I mean, she, it's, there's definitely like a visible improvement oh, uh, to the space. And then I think it's just, I don't see them all the time. Um, so I just, every time I'm there, water, water, yeah. keep going. Yeah. Um, but it keeps, yeah, it's definitely a good product. So I'm really excited to see how yeah. your journey goes. I think that's part of my issue is that my city trees have gotten much bigger, much bigger than I expected much faster. So I do, I'm having a lot more shade on my lawn and uh, so I think that's part of it. And I know because it's a native, they're native grasses, like native fescues, you don't need necessarily a lot of fertilizer. Mm -hmm. And they also are much more deep rooted. So they'll hold on to water better. So I feel like as much as it's work for me to get out there and do it, and it is a little pricier. I, I think that's, I, I don't know why I've hesitated. Um, when I've got the bag, I'm like, whoa, that's grassy, that much for grassy. <laughs> you know, um, money, time is money and money is time, right? Sometimes. So so, uh, so yeah, so I'm going to bite the bullet and, uh, and I still would really love uh, for her to come on the show to talk more about Ecolon. So we'll definitely uh, maybe talk about that in the winter and Miriam and so that we can hit the ground running, uh, but Ecolon. And the other cool thing is not that it's an issue at my house that nobody cuts the grass, but you don't have to cut it because it doesn't go to seed. It just kind of drapes so you can you can leave it a little bit longer. Um, so if you've got a lot of property and you don't want to do a lot of um, maintenance in areas, then Ecolon could be a, a really great solution for you. That's right. And what I'll do is I'll put the uh, link as well in our show notes. Oh, great. Um, so you can chase it down and take a look if you're yeah. listening and wondering what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so that's a great 
Yeah. So trees and shrubs, Matt, deciduous ones. There's not really much we have to do, right? We can just enjoy the color, the fall changes in our gardens. Exactly. Enjoy the beautiful reds, oranges, and golds that we're starting to see. Um, obviously less so if you're a little further south. Uh, but here in Ontario, she's turning well. Uh, the locusts are covering the lawn in those little yellow golden bits. Uh, but a beautiful display so that we can just sit back and enjoy. Uh, but shrubs, yes. Uh, especially more so, I think, of um, like evergreen shrubs and trees. Mm -hmm. um, going back to, again, we're in a drought, but making sure that we're watering those guys uh, nice and deep so that they make it through through the winter. Am I fast forwarding over deciduous for you? You did. You went uh, right over deciduous. Sorry, well, I Let mean, me go I back to you. No, no, no. I think, well, I think I want everybody to realize, much like you said with the perennials, like really the deciduous, I mean, leave your hydrangeas alone. None yeah, of the hydrangeas. I, I, you know, there's so much debate in all the Facebook groups and online or whatever. None of the hydrangeas need to be cut. Enjoy the fall, fall interest, the winter interest with snow on them and frost on them and dew on them. Nothing needs to be cut right now. So just enjoy it. We will tell you when you need to cut them. Um, yes. So yeah, so nothing. And, and again, none, nothing really needs to be cut back. Uh, right now, it's going to lose their leaves as the leaves change. And then in the in the spring you can you can deal with the debris but um right now the, enjoy the fall enjoy the fact that they're gonna it's gonna fall and, and the leaves are gonna fall and the flower buds are gonna fall and and insulate your garden mm -hmm. and um and kind of start to decompose with the mulch lots of hiding places for beneficial insects there's really not too much you know if there's something that's blocking your walkway or something like that and you need to trim it to get it out of your way um or you're having to duck under something yes i understand that but for the most part uh there's really nothing you need to do um i think of the highest maintenance quote unquote, shrub slash deciduous tree slash shrub would be just say a Japanese maple. You do need to yeah. make sure they get more just with how delicate their leaves are and how sensitive they are to wind, especially winter wind. They do need and they tend to be naturally grown as an understory tree. And we don't grow them that way here. They're way out in the middle of the lawn or right by the front concrete door and brick house um, so they do need extra water so now is the time to start you know once a week put your hose on drizzle a drip and you know and and really water those Japanese maples deeply and uh, we'll talk about winter protection for them in our November episode so if they're newly planted then they need a little bit of extra you know um, uh, protection but I would say for October they just need some extra water wouldn't you agree Matt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just making sure they're watered nice and deeply uh, because they are that wind sensitive. Like you said, they have very thin bark uh, and they'll desiccate fairly easily. So definitely, yeah, that would be that's a great tip. For sure. Mm -hmm. One that I just plowed over to get to Evergreen. Yeah, no, no problem. <laughs> and and other people, I think the only other thing I can think of in your, I guess, garden overall would be compost. So if you're not happy mm. with your soil, if you're um, thinking it like me, dr things are drying out a little too quickly, um, then maybe you do need to um, overdress, overdress, top dress, top dress, top dress. Or overdress, yeah, overdress with some compost or manure. And I think it's you can you can do it again in the spring or you can do it in the spring or the fall. But I kind of feel like we have more time. It seems like fall is longer and the days aren't as 
spring comes and there's so much to do. So I feel yes. like if uh, if you've got the time and you see the bags of manure on sale at the grocery store, uh, mushroom compost, you know, some of the, the better stuff is you get what you pay for people. So and even though it's on sale, you know, if you want to get the high end, you know, the, the seafood or not seafood, see. <laughs> yeah, the sea compost. Like, yeah. Sea compost. yeah. Um, yes. Or the mushroom compost, uh, things like that. Worm castings. Uh, worm castings. There's lots of native, th natural things that you can do to improve your soil that will hit the ground, you know, that's going to work all winter. And then you hit the ground running in spring. So, uh, so yeah, so now tends to be a time where I know I have, uh, you know, the design season's a little bitty slower and I, I can spend some more time on that um, because you just, it's just, and you never know the weather in the spring either, right? Yeah, I know. True. And you have all this extra time where those organics get to leach their nutrients into yeah. the soil so that the plants can eat them and you get that bioactivity rejuvenating as well, depending on mm -hmm. what compost uh, mm -hmm. you end up getting. But yeah. Mm -hmm. Sure. That's right. So our evergreens, Matt. <laughs> oh, I want to talk about evergreens now. Let's talk about that. No, you know what? It's just um, just being out of the clients this week's again, just, you know, this, the watering with our evergreens and our newly planted evergreens. Uh, one of my clients, we put in a beautiful couple of boxwood spirals. And uh, you know what? We just want to make sure that they're well watered, much like your Japanese maple, right to the bottom of that hole, just once a week until the ground freezes solid. Um, you know, evergreens are meant to be evergreen and enjoyed mm -hmm. throughout the season. So, you know, making sure that they're well watered will help protect them through going through the winter. And again, we that's why we've really invented the burlap and the screens and stuff like that, but as well as to protect things like our Japanese maples mm -hmm. that are, you know, they've we've removed their natural protection like you said as an understory tree right. the surrounding trees were their actual their burlap or their protection uh so yeah just making sure that they're they're fortified and i always love using the wilt proof uh as well oh, okay oh on yeah. your japanese maples i know well, on the could, evergreens more so on the evergreens but you could okay. use it on your japanese maples as okay. well yeah okay. um yeah so they're great for your evergreens and you can use wilt proof as i don't know if you know this um but you can use it through your uh perennial material too so in the spring and the summer while you're planting new stuff you can use your wilt proof on it and oh. uh what does it do like an, it's an anti-desiccant so it helps block some of the stomatas on the leaves that so that the water doesn't get pulled out um, oh, okay low humidity or windy sunny days oh, yeah. so, okay wilt proof i like wilt proof yeah. for our fall protection but we'll get more into that like you said it, as we get into november in the that's garden, right we start to put things to sleep to sleep for good that's right. I do want to mention, this is something I've talked to a few of the, the clients that I visited over the uh, last few weeks, um, is the one section in our book um, in October is um, lasagna gardening. And it, it's a kind of a photo array of what I did in my own garden. And uh, so anybody who's, you know, I've, I've gotten a few clients who are looking at doing a, a garden or converting their lawns into gardens and, um, you know, looking for a plan, but doing the work, wanting to do the work themselves. So I've explained that, you know, fall is a perfect time that you can go out or even just killing their lawn and putting down mulch in a pathway, something like that. So um, you can Google it. You can check check it out. Um, past we've done a past episode about lasagna gardening, but it simply is covering that area um, with uh, cardboard, overlapping the cardboard, 
removing the packing tape <laughs> and then covering that, wetting it down, giving, you know, so it doesn't blow around or holding it down with some large rocks, which is what I had to do. And then um, covering it with a good, uh, I just did mulch. I would say if you can do compost and then mulch, that would be better in the long run. Um, you know, good four or five inches. So thicker than you normally would. And literally in June next year. So then that's all you need to do. Get it wet. It, it's going to be fine for our fall rains and winter snow and all of that stuff. And then come spring, probably by May, June, you, the cardboard will have decomposed and you can start planting or you can, you know, level it to put your stepping stones and, and pathway and, and that kind of thing. So, yeah. So, there, you know, again, if you've got our book, you can check it out, page 94, um, or you can listen to past episodes or you can just email more or Google more about uh, lasagna gardening. I think we're going to do a little bit of that at the college as well with some oh, of the students. Oh, good. Uh, to kind of change one of the areas uh, yes. around and just kind of go through that. But yeah. yeah, it's a beautiful way of of hitting that reset button or building something or growing something new. For sure. Yeah. Or even um, your boulevard. Like if you're, you're worried about yeah, what your neighbors yeah. are going to say about you touching your boulevard, well, you can, you know, you can just quietly just cover it with mulch and then, and then next year just start slowly planting things. And you could, it can be like a real subtle transformation um, to, uh, to getting rid of the grass on your boulevard. Cause we all hate mowing that, don't we? <laughs> the roughest grass to cut That's never right. looks good does That's it right. <laughs> oh goodness gracious so um so yeah so did you want to talk about our design favorites as we wrap up the show i was gonna say yeah i think we can we're pretty much have given you all the tips uh, for all the different aspects or areas of your yard but uh we always have this one little section for each month if you're wondering what you could plant we're mm -hmm. looking for some inspiration we have our design favorites um mine is our strong box holly uh it's a north american native broadleaf evergreen makes a good substitute for boxwood so it has a very a little bit of a longer leaf a little bit more elliptical than it is kind of rounded yeah. than boxwood uh, but it has a very similar look and it's uh, evergreen as well and it doesn't have as many disease issues as like our boxwoods do mm. uh, so all those things we talked about with what's wrong in our garden you know the moths and the blight etc uh, so it's a good substitute so if you were looking for something to replace a damaged or hurt boxwood you might uh, do that as well Perfect. so that was that one's my favorite um and you don't have to worry, even though it is a holly, you don't have to worry about the berries unless you get gem box, which is the female. So remember, hollies uh, need that female, that male, so they're dioecious. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah, as long as you plant the boys, you don't have to worry about <laughs> berries or anything else. <laughs> uh, but are, what's wrong with the planting the girls and having berries? Anything? Nothing at all. I, oh, okay. I prefer. I personally prefer it. If I were to plant holly in my own garden and I don't have a big enough space for them, I, I would be, all the girls would be front and center and just covered oh, okay. with berries. I love winter berries in, in the garden. I think they just so add such depth and biodiversity and winter interest. I love them. Yeah. Oh, but, good. Yeah. So nothing wrong with those beautiful girls. <laughs> <laughs> um, and my suggestion is oak leaf hydrangea. So mm. it really will start to come to its own in October. Not necessarily with the flower but with the foliage so they are unique in the sense that they are very oak leaf like much bigger oak leaf shape uh, than on oak trees but they've got a really interesting leaf shape 
And at this time of year, they start to go burgundy and they are a showstopper. So it's great because they bloom early in the season. They have been a magnificent uh, pollinator. I did not realize um, how good of a pollinator they were as far as a hydrangea goes. Um, I had flies and you were even over that day, remember? And um, when we were recording and you were like, oh my gosh, look at all the different kinds of, of insects. So yeah. it's definitely been buzzing all summer and now it's about to start turning red. So I'm, I'm really excited. Um, they do have it in different um, hybrids, but you can, you know, uh, depending on the size. So I just say go with, go with a bigger one that, you know, makes a big statement in your garden. Um, but I know there are some uh, dwarf varieties as well. Yeah, I think of um, peewee, the cultivar <clears throat> peewee, and it's only three feet by three feet. So, yeah. and it gives a beautiful, like a little bit more of a purplish with its red as well. So, like a rose or a purple red yeah. in the fall. So, yeah, yeah. Because it is an, a native, is not, is it not? I was also going to say that too. It is also a North American native hydrangea. So, it is native to uh, the continent, much like our Annabelle hydrangea. Right. Yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So yeah, so I think this was a great show. We hope we gave you a lots of tips. Um, I'm really excited. I've got, I've just gotten back from Philadelphia from the garden fling. Um, so four days of seeing, I think we said 15 gardens, but a um, couple of them were like big public gardens. And one was an arboretum, um, some really interesting private gardens. And I said to Matt, I'm not ready. I haven't digested it yet. So I want to come up with a plan to uh, to be able to share that with you. Um, so, yeah, so we I did not realize that Philadelphia was the garden capital of the U.S. with uh, 38 public gardens. And uh, I was overjoyed by by seeing what we saw despite the rain. So I'm excited to share that with you um, in an upcoming episode. That's right. So stay tuned for that. And you can follow us on social media for, uh, I will be posting some posting and stuff as well. Yes, I actually, actually, I was thinking that as you were saying that. Yeah, definitely check out, check out uh, all of our social media. So at Down the Garden Path Podcast. Uh, and because I'm sure you've got lots of wonderful pictures of plants and other beautiful gardens. So uh, join us on our Facebook group. Down the Garden Path Podcast uh, is our handle there on all the major platforms. So thanks again for joining us here on this episode of Down the Garden Path. I'm Matthew Dressing here with my co-host and co-author, Joanne Shaw. We enjoy doing, Joanne and I enjoy hosting Down the Garden Path, bringing you interesting and relevant topics to help you achieve a great garden. We learn right along with you from our research and from the wonderful guests that join us here on the show. That's right. So don't forget, you can spend time with us on Down the Garden Path. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Down the Garden Path Podcast. You can also find us on your favorite podcast provider. And while you're there, please hit subscribe to be notified of new content. And we really appreciate it if you can like or share or leave us a comment. Uh, that really helps us um, get the word out about our show. We love hearing from our listeners. We can you can always write us at down the garden path podcast at hotmail.com or via our websites. You can find me at down to earth.ca, that's with the number two, and you can find Matt at naturalaffinity.ca. Thanks for joining us down the garden path. <laughs>